Coming up on Transformers University, who has the power to surprise? Humans? Nebulons? Hey, and remember Optimus Prime? He's back in Pog form right now on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner, operator, madman behind TFU.info, the website, the Toy Archive, this podcast, TFU News and Views podcast, and oh, so much more. And I want to welcome you to episode number 135 of Transformers University. Okay, maybe Optimus Prime did not come back in pog form, but his return to toy form is one of the many things we are going to talk about as we tackle our first part of the 1988 toy line. The year 1988 was an interesting one for the Transformers brand, and we're going to talk about it in just a sec. But first, I want to give a shout out to all of the students on our Patreon, without whom this show could not be possible. If you want to help support this show, the website, the YouTube channel, and everything else, the oh so much more, please swing by our Patreon at patreon.com slash tfuinfo, all one word, and sign up. For as little as a dollar a month, you can hear this podcast and TFU News and Views podcast a day early. Plus, there's other perks and polls and ways to interact with me. Once again, the address is www.patreon.com slash tfuinfo, all one word. Sign up today. So, as we discussed in previous episodes, 1988 marks the downturn of the Transformers brand in the public consciousness. In a pre-internet world, older kids have moved on to the next thing. And younger kids were discovering their own thing. In fact, shells would play a big part in 1988 as pretenders enter the fray. New pretenders are here. Autobot pretenders look human, but pretenders hide the transformers inside. Pretenders split apart to reveal a powerful robot inside, then reassemble to fight alongside their transformable robot. But Decepticons have pretenders too. But before we crack the shell and the nuts inside, we need to talk about this commercial because there's a few notable things going on here. First off, we get new animation. Uh, the first three Autobot pretenders getting created is shown where the human shells are in their underwear on one of those rising medical bed platforms that you only see in movies as Vic Caroli and company try to sell you human transformers. Take note of that because it's a theme for the pretenders ads. We also see Wave Rider, Cloudburst, and Landmine taking on Dreadwind and Darkwing in the animation. And in the toy play portions of the commercials, we see them fight the Decepticon pretenders, Submarauder, Skullgrin, and Bombburst. Uh, from a Western world standpoint, these commercials are the only new animation we will get uh, post-1987 uh, through the mid-90s. So that means toy commercials are really the only source of televised Transformers fiction from 1988 through uh, the premiere of Beast Wars in 1986. So we're talking about almost a decade here, eight years of where the commercials will be the only like bits of animated fiction for the most part. And then, of course, there's also the song, uh, that glorious song. You'll hear that song and versions of it throughout this episode as it's applied to every commercial for the year, uh, much like the Target Masters ad. Transform, out of one. The vehicle transforms and so does the car. 
we get a new jingle focusing on the type of transformer at the top of the ad and in a new tagline of they've got the power to surprise on the back end of that song and they really lean hard into that they and this wasn't the only commercial though uh that we got for pretenders and it wasn't the only song either new pretender transformers are here Pretenders split apart to reveal a powerful robot. And look, there are evil Decepticon pretenders too. Pretenders sold separately. The power, the power. Man, they really lean into that word, huh? Um, <laughs> the ad agency here uh, just loves that word. And, and it's a central theme for 1988, right? The term power. And we'll get into more of this later on as we go. And look, it's a theme for Transformers, right? They're fighting over resources. They're fighting over power. It makes sense in the history of the brand. Also noting here that there is no new animation in this commercial, not in the traditional sense. But... There is what appears to be early 3D CGI animation in this video, kicking off with uh, the kid uh, who says he's a skateboarder. Uh, he kind of splits open. Uh, they, they use some, some uh, very early uh, TV effects uh, for this, a very 80s style TV effects. Um, and then a generic uh, silver and teal CGI robot, uh, 3D animated, it must have been done on like an Amiga or something, uh, comes out and is on a skateboard too, which is kind of neat. Uh, it's also important to note that the only three Autobot pretenders we see in all of these commercials are uh, the aforementioned Wave Rider, Cloudburst, and Landmine. That's because that was the first wave of Autobots available. The other three would come later along with a few other pretender concepts. And this is confirmed by the pack and toy catalog from 1988. Unlike most toy catalogs, which show the line for the entire year, there are two nearly identical catalogs for 1988, one of the entire year's line, which came out later on, and then an earlier one featuring silhouettes of some toys listed as coming soon. Such was the case with the other half of Autobot Pretenders, Groundbreaker, Sky High, and Splashdown. Now, as toys, I do wonder if the Pretenders are somewhat inspired by the Centurions toy line. Uh, the Centurions were fairly large, blocky action figures with a port system that allowed interplay between their weapons and their accessories. Uh, they were produced by then Hasbro competitor, Kenner, which Hasbro later bought, uh, and was released in 1986, so a couple years before Pretenders. But knowing how toy companies tend to borrow and when I say Boris, I mean steal, uh, ideas from one another. And knowing that the timeline currently is about 18 months to get a toy to market, uh, you figure in 1988, it was probably 18 months to two years. That puts everything right in that that range. Uh, it, it makes me wonder if if Hasbro saw what Kenner was doing and said, let's have, figure out how to incorporate this into Transformers. Uh, the Pretender Shells, they do something similar, at least at this scale. They're, they're large, blocky humans. Um, each one has a weapon and a helmet and a belt. Uh, some have shields as well. Um, and the size of the shell was large enough that it was actually generally larger than most uh, G1 figures. It, it's taller than your your target masters. It's about the size. The shell is roughly the size of the larger headmaster figures, which leaves the question open because if you have them together, are the pretender shells transformer-sized humans or are the inner robots human-sized transformers 
Uh, and maybe even slightly smaller because they need to fit inside of a human. Uh, these are all things that I don't think have ever really been solved. And we'll talk a bit more about it when we get to our fiction portion of this uh, in coming episodes. Overall, the shells have only a couple points of articulation uh, on the Autobot side. That's mainly the shoulders. Uh, they can move their arms up and down. The inner robots aren't bad toys, but they lack color. They're not really good toys either. Uh, they make for Great generic-looking Transformers. You need background characters for something. Uh, the, the inner shells of the Pretenders are fantastic for that. But their transformations, their alt modes, are all pretty lackluster at best. Uh, a couple of fun things to note about them. The second wave of Autobot Pretenders were not released in Japan. And in the original pre-internet version of Truck Not Monkey, Groundbreaker's human shell looks a lot like Davy Jones of the 60s band, The Monkees. And one last thing to note about the large pretenders, they're really the only ones, at least on the U.S. side of uh, fiction, that tend to have gotten any sort of characterization outside of their tech spec. And uh, that is uh, mainly due to the Marvel comic, and we'll get to that, uh, and particularly Landmine. And the main pretender figures were not the only use of that concept in 1988. Hasbro introduced two other play patterns which allowed the inner robots to store horizontally in a longer shell. New Transformers are here. Now in the world of pretenders, there are pretender beasts, strange and terrifying. Pretenders hide the Transformers inside. Introducing pretender beasts. Inside's a beast that transforms into a fighting robot. And there are Autobot and Decepticon vehicles, too. They split to reveal a transformable robot, then reassemble as a fighting machine. Pretenders, Transformers, Pretenders, Transformers, The Pretender Beasts and Pretender Vehicles appeared on both the Autobot and Decepticon side of the equation, with the vehicles being revealed in the late 1988 toy catalog. From the Autobot side of the Pretender Beasts, this commercial only shows one, and that's Catilla. He's a saber-toothed tiger outer shell in yellow with a gray and yellow inner robot that also turns into a saber-toothed tiger. The other Pretender Beast is Chainclaw, a bear with a uh, brown bear with mostly yellow and gray inner robot bear alt mode. Uh, the beasts are a bit more fun than the larger Pretenders as the alt modes at least make a, a somewhat more sense. You can kind of have, have them side by side, and uh, they just kind of look cooler. They're really nicely... Um, molded beast modes uh beast shells i should say um they're totally not poseable though uh but katilla has this really cool helmet uh that's very reminiscent of battle cat from masters of the universe now on the vehicle side the autobots had gunrunner uh conceptually this is a little strange as he's a car shell with a robot inside that also transforms into a jet hey fred give me a pizza with extra cheese extra cheese and hold the tomato sauce hold the tomato sauce and hold the crust hold the crust Hey, Jimmy, give me a cheese with nothing. Nothing? Now you can have the best part of the pizza without the pizza. Surprisingly, it's a really fun toy. Uh, I picked one up a few years ago, and it's a lot of fun to play with. The vehicle's big and chunky, and it has these pom-pom cannons that move when you roll it. And then Gunrunner's inner robot is orange, like the Autobot headquarters. I mean, it's that like particular shade of orange. And uh, the jet mode is futuristic but not so like bare bones and weird and out there as the human pretenders where you're not quite sure what they turn into plus you can attach the pom-pom cannon on top for added firepower and aside from the pretenders we have a whole lot of other stuff to talk about in 1988 and we'll do so right after this hey want to help out this podcast or the website tfu.info 
There's a number of ways you can do it. Let me tell you how. You can help us directly by joining our Patreon and enrolling as a student at Transformers University. There, you'll get early access to the podcast as well as exclusive behind-the-scenes peaks and perks for as little as $1 a month. Sign up is quick and easy. Just swing on by to www.patreon.com slash tfuinfo. Another way you can help us is by using our Amazon link, www.tfu.info slash Amazon. Type that into your browser whenever you want to shop at Amazon and a portion of what you spend will be contributed back to us. It's that easy. Finally, you don't become the world's longest running transforming toy archive without some help from other fans. We're always on the hunt for photos of figures and accessories we're missing from our pages. If you'd like to contribute, go to tfu.info slash help for a list of what we need or send an email to info at tfu.info. tfu.info, the alpha trion and omega prime of transforming toys. Now, back to the show. While 1988 was filled with new Transformers concepts, and we'll talk about some of those other ones in a second, it is important to note that the line technically is a little bit smaller than past years because it was filled out by a lot of things that were introduced in 1987, kind of the same way they did in 87 by bringing stuff back from 86. But this time around, they didn't work some of the previous stuff, like 86 into 87 did uh, the Autobot cars into the Target Masters. Uh, They didn't do any of that stuff into 88 from 87. So returning in 1987, were uh, the Autobot clones, uh, the Autobot spy punch, the monster bots, the large headmasters, the large target masters, the technobots, Fortress Maximus, and the Autobot cassettes. So uh, Steeljaw, Ramhorn, Rewind, and Eject. But another pair of cassettes were added to the mix in 1988. And this is a new concept in a way, uh, combining kind of two older concepts. It was the Cassette concept, which we're all familiar with. Surprisingly enough, Blaster not available in 1988. But he did receive two new cassettes in Raindance and Grand Slam. Now, Raindance and Grand Slam were part of uh, a new concept of combining cassettes. So Raindance was a Cybertronian hoverplane is what TF Wiki calls it. Uh, it's, he's basically a jet. And he combines with Grand Slam, who's basically a tank in vehicle mode, um, and then just turns into a cassette. So this is an oddity in G1 in that they don't have robot modes individually, uh, very similar to the Duocons of uh, the previous year on the Decepticon side. So Rain Dance and Grand Slam, they combine into the most New York hardcore name possible of a Transformer, and that is Slam Dance. As toys, Rain Dance and Grand Slam, they're pretty much what you expect from the micro cassettes. They're, they're fairly small. Uh, the vehicle modes are neat looking, uh, but they're fairly inarticulated uh, uh, in, on purpose in a lot of ways because they're only vehicle modes. Uh, then the combined form of Slam Dance is, is pretty neat. Uh, it's, Fairly well-proportioned little combiner cassette. Uh, honestly, I like the toy a lot, uh, just probably because of the name. <laughs> but Rain Dance's guns mount on his shoulders, uh, and then on his back you can put Slam Dance's weapons as well. Uh, Slam Dance actually comes with uh, two cassettes plus a very large uh, 
cannon, uh, which I still need to hunt down because it's the one piece I don't have from that toy. Oddly enough, they didn't get a commercial uh, in in the series, uh, and most of the nineteen, actually all <laughs> of the new nineteen eighty seven figures, all of the new nineteen eighty eight figures had commercials uh, by my notes, except for the combiner cassettes. Now, staying in the small figure scale. Uh, also released in 1988 were the Sparkabots, who didn't get their own commercial, but did have a portion uh, in a larger, more Decepticon-focused commercial. And here come the Sparkabots. And when the fighting man you see sparks fly as the fire comes out of the Sparkabots. And of course, they got part of that song, which is really the really most important part of that commercial. Uh, the Autobot Sparkabots were Fizzle, Sizzle, and Guzzle. Uh, all these toys themselves uh, are not necessarily uh, meant for their posability, for their articulation. Uh, they are mostly have uh, two points of articulation. They all pretty much transform the same way in that you extend the back half of the vehicle, uh, flip over something in the front or move the arms, and then stand up the toy. Uh, so you have Guzzle, the tank. You have Fizzle, the... Dragster, I'm going to call it, a dune buggy. And you have Sizzle, the funny car. Now, the feature on these toys were the sparking feature. So uh, the toys themselves had a little cutout in the back, and they had a gear-driven wheel that had a piece of flint inside. And so what would happen, happen is you would... Um, you would you would rev the car, and, and friction from the from the motor inside the tire construction in the back would actually fire sparks out of the back of the car. This is not really something they do with modern toys, I think for fear of burning children, but uh, that that's how that worked. Uh, it's a neat gimmick. And when we talk about fire cons, we'll talk about the same thing coming out the front of the beast mode. Continuing on from the smaller scale, uh, another, what I would call the, the lower price point, the smaller scale, the, the value price point, uh, the impulse buy of 1988 were the trigger bots and they got their own commercial new transformers are here now trigger bots are battling trigger con and when the trigger bots battle the trigger con there's no doubt there'll be a real shootout and there is no doubt there would be a real shootout uh, and the trigger Bots, very similar to the Sparker bots, have very simple transformations. Uh, some even have part of their transformations uh, part of the triggering process. So you have Dogfight, who's in a jet, and his wings are also his arms. So the triggering process actually flips his arms out for the vehicle mode. Uh, you also flip up his canopy and his, his back end and pull his legs out. So they're slightly uh, more complicated than the Sparker bots, but not by much. You also have Override, the motorcycle, who has guns that flip out of his sidecar. Uh, and then finally, you have uh, Backstreet, who has uh, a futuristic car vehicle mode. He's orange. And in vehicle mode, they flip out of Backstreet's back. And also in robot mode, they flip out of Backstreet's back. And again, these toys are, are basic. They have a fun, simple, repeatable gimmick. Uh, that, that doesn't really work with anything else in the line. Uh, Transformers continues, even in the 80s, to be a hodgepodge of ideas uh, that aren't necessarily unified, whereas G.I. Joe has this unified 
uh, figure size and vehicle scale and everything works with everything else, Transformers really does have this, see what we throw at the wall and see what sticks. And so much so that it's, 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 it's bizarre that they kept doing this. And visually the line does have a lot of uh, similarities, like the 87 stuff and the 88 stuff uh, really do sit well together on a shelf visually. But as far as the gimmicks go, uh, they're a bit all over the place. But you know, in 1988, they didn't abandon some of the more interesting concepts they introduced in 1987. They had carried over the large headmasters, they had carried over uh, Fortress Maximus. They carried over the three new Autobot Target Master vehicles. They didn't carry over a uh, Cup and Hot Rod and Blur, but they went and expanded on those and made smaller versions with a similar play pattern. And first, they did. We'll talk about it. The what we like to refer to as the small Headmaster Autobots. It's it's kind of a weird uh, delineation. In this catalog, the original four Headmaster Autobots are referred to as large Headmasters. Uh, but it's only because they're larger than the newer ones that they made. And so the the second batch is now referred to as Headmaster Autobots, whereas the large Headmaster Autobots were referred to as the Headmaster Autobots a year before. Um, so fans tend to call these guys the small Headmaster Autobots, and it's, they're more in line size-wise with the large Target Master figures or the larger Target Master figures from the year prior. And of course, they got their own commercial and song. New Transformers are here. Incredible new Headmasters. And the driver of the vehicle becomes the head of the robot. Headmaster Transformers. When the head enters the robot's body, you get a readout of its power. And our new Decepticon Headmasters will give us more brain power than ever. Transform, you monsters, and prepare to attack! Headmaster Transformers, they've the power to surprise. Sold separately. Now, these are three toys I really like. You had Nightbeat, who is not just an important toy. The toy is actually probably the worst of the three. Um... But he is the most important character uh, from the Marvel comics uh, from this batch of figures. Uh, also not technically released in Japan, uh, at least in these colors uh, uh, at retail. And we'll get to that when we cover Japan. But Nightbeat is, for all intents and purposes, the Transformers detective. And uh, that makes him fun. It makes him kind of a Batman-ish figure. He's uh, blue and yellow, a police car. The blue uh, historically tends to fade and becomes lighter and uh, over time, uh, but he's supposed to be dark blue. Uh, he, he comes with his headmaster partner, and the headmaster partners are smaller and different sized than the large headmasters. And that's the first, I feel, mistake in 1988, that they didn't find a way to make the heads the same size so that they can be compatible like they were in the previous year across different releases. Uh, the other thing is that the tumbler gimmick in the chest that reveals their their powers uh, is now one solid piece instead of three separate tumblers. Uh, also because it, from the different smaller shaped head and different size piece that pops in, uh, it doesn't trigger three tumblers. It triggers one tumbler with three readouts on it. It, it kind of takes away from the gimmick a bit. Uh, it is neat, though, that these guys, because of the smaller heads, to make the heads match the other figures in the line, they all come with seat helmets. Uh, they're helmets that they wear over the head in robot mode, and then in vehicle mode, inserts into the vehicle somewhere to be the seat for the much less articulated, if 
that was possible had master figure because there's only waist articulation to transform these. Um, also, because of the helmets, they all come with uh, a large gun for their hand and then small guns that attach on the sides of the helmets. Aside from Nightbeat, you have Siren, the police car. Um, he's also a police car. I guess Nightbeat is Nightbeat a police car. He's just, I guess he's just a blue sports car. Uh, oh no, Nightbeat is a police car. Siren is a fire chief car, uh, and he is uh, gray in robot mode, uh, gray in vehicle mode. Thank you. He's gray and red in vehicle mode, and then blue, uh, blue chested in robot mode. And then finally, you have Hosehead, which is actually the nicest of the figures. Um, he is a red fire truck. Uh, I really like how they actually even make a way for the helmet to fit behind the cab of the vehicle so you can still seat the driver on him. Um, and it, but none of these are terribly complex transformers. None of them are terribly posable. They're more posable than some of the other ones we've talked about. But they're just pretty <laughs> in in both modes for the most part, especially Hosehead and Siren. And then even, I feel lesser so in Nightbeat, but it is still a very good toy. And Headmasters isn't where they stopped. They went on to Target Masters, too. New Transformers are here. Now, Twin Nebulon transform into weapon the new Target Master Autobots need. And the Twin Nebulons can also form a super weapon. But the Decepticons have new Target Masters, too. Each Target Master comes with two transformable Nebulon figures. Now, the Target Masters, the small Target Masters, as they've similarly become known, uh, featured three uh, three characters, Quick Mix, the Cement Mixer, Scoop, the Front Loader, and Landfill, the Dump Truck. You can see they're all construction vehicles. Uh, they come with two Target Masters each, both very not posable. <laughs> There's actually no posability other than whatever the mechanism is to... Uh, store their barrel in human mode or nebulon mode, uh, but they do all feature small ports on them. I don't know if they're five millimeter, but they they are uh, combinable ports on the back of each one, so you can put one on top of the other in either combination, and then also put them on the vehicle, so they form that super weapon that the that the commercial mentions. Overall, the individual toys. Uh, Scoop is probably the best of the three uh, in terms of posability and just overall looks in robot mode. Um, they're all kind of, uh, since they're smaller scale, they, they don't feature a lot of parts and they don't feature a lot of movement. More than your trigger bots and your sparker bots, but less than, say, the, the headmasters, the small headmaster figures. They're also probably a couple inches shorter than those guys. The one other big piece of 1988 I think pretenders are the, the one big introduction. And then on the other side of the fence, you continue this Nebulon uh, concept. But in addition to Headmasters and Target Masters, you now get Power Masters. New Power Masters are here. Amazing new Transformers called Power Masters. There are engines the key that unlock their Transformers. Incredible Power Masters. They only transform when their Nebulon becomes their engine. Power Decepticon Power Masters transform! And the Decepticons unlock their Transformer energy. Power Masters Transformers, they've got the power. It's your life. All right, and before we talk toys, we got to talk the song again. 
the amount of syllables they crammed into in that beginning. The engine's the key that unlocks their Transformers energy. Um, just wow. <laughs> I am a big fan when when uh, lyrics can get shoehorned into something that it was probably not meant for. And wow, that um, um, we, let's hear that again. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right, let's talk about what that actually means. So, Power Masters, uh, and there were three Autobots released in 1988. The Power Masters uh, gimmick, instead of the Nebulon forming the head or the gun, Nebulon formed the engine. And they did this by basically uh, having the legs fold outward and up over the shoulders of the Nebulon. Very much like how Soundwave uh, transforms in 1984. And... But in a, a tiny version that turns into an engine for the figure. Now, the figure's transformation is literally locked until you can insert that engine into the, the port for it because there's a little trigger device there that uh, allows you to move whatever piece that is. And so what you find is <laughs> either kids broke them uh, by snapping them without the, uh, after losing the Nebulon, snapping them out, or other kids were smart enough to figure out that if they just put their finger there and push down, they could uh, get the figure to unlock. That year, we had uh, three Autobots, as I mentioned. We had uh, Getaway, the white uh, sports car, and probably the most famous character post 1988 uh, from these three because of all the attention he got in James Roberts's More Than Meets the Eye uh, and, and probably the most hated character from this bunch. Uh, he he is one of the Power Masters. Then you have uh, Slapdash, the F1 car, and uh, Joyride, the uh, dune buggy. Uh, they all are actually really nice toys compared to what they look like. Uh, I think they look a lot more boxy and clunky than what they are. Uh, they've got a nice size to them. They're taller than the small target masters. They're roughly the same size as the uh, small headmasters, maybe a little bit bigger. Um, but overall, there's a lot of nice detailing. There's a lot of nice color on these figures. They're good uh, Transformers figures, but you really do need the engines to really make them uh, playable and fun. Like, you could still transform and play them without the engines but the engines really do kind of make that whole piece work and that leads us to our big hitter of 1988 the one toy i totally had as a kid as i looked through a lot of these um which i bought later uh in my collecting uh looking at 88 autobots i, I don't think i owned any of the ones we've talked about except for this one and it's because if you missed him in 84, this was your chance to get Optimus Prime. A new Optimus Prime is here. I transform Optimus. Power Master Optimus Prime, greatest leader of his time. It's great to be back. Now Optimus Prime is back as a Power Master. He only transforms when his Nebulon becomes his engine. Power Master Optimus Prime. Look, Optimus is transforming into a super robot. And it's fun to note in this commercial, Peter Cullen also backed as Optimus Prime and Charlie Adler, who you may remember was Silverbolt in the G1 cartoon, also back as uh, Haikyuu, his Nebulon partner. 
Now, I think the key with, with Power Master Optimus Prime is this is one of my all-time favorite toys, and I can kind of speak in extemporaneously about it off the top of my head. Um, if you missed on Optimus Prime the first time, this was great because it had the cab that turned into a small robot. Um, it had the, the Nebulon partner, so it, it felt like it belonged with the 87 stuff. And then it had the trailer that became a really cool base uh, for for the most part, that you could use as a headquarters or use as defense base. And then you had the combined mode, which gave him this like super robot feel, this very Voltron-esque kind of thing where he combines himself uh, and you know you attach on the head at the very end of that combining. Plus he had the guns, the the two big gray guns he comes with, Haikyuu can sit inside of, which makes the toy a lot of funny. And also two black uh, guns that are very similar to his original uh blaster and he had all these ports on the side on that you can attach the guns in various combinations you can put them on top you can put them on the side uh mix and match and then the last thing <laughs> the the hidden feature as i like to call it is that the back end of optimus the back part of his trailer uh the door opened uh it folded down and there's really no reason for it to do this uh, it folds down and has a storage compartment in the back. Like I said, there is absolutely no reason to do this. There is nothing on this toy that works with that. And the compartment is small enough where I don't even think a throttle bot can fit in there. So it's not even the right size for things. Though as a kid, I'm pretty sure I couldn't get a throttle bot in there. But then I'm starting now as I'm talking about it, I'm starting to wonder if the sparker bots or the um or if one of the trigger bots could fit inside, and that was the intended purpose. But my use for it, what I did with it as a kid, I had I had about eight uh, Autobot decoys. And so what I did, uh, you can only fit six, but if you close those, those his legs, his super robot legs together, and fold down the trailer door, you can actually uh, line up three on each side. And so you can kind of make him uh, a troop transport. And for me, that play pattern was was totally there because then I could have him pull up. I could roll down the thing. I could march out the guys. And even though, and knowing they were decoys, you kind of use them as fodder for the Decepticons and then transform other people and, and then bring them into the battle. So this toy, Power Master Optimus Prime, and we'll get into the backstory stuff on him uh, later on, is super fun, super playable. It is a classic as far as Transformers toys go. Um, as far as 1988 goes, it might be the, the shining toy of the entire year. And while it may be the best toy overall of the tiny entire year, it's not the last one we're going to talk about. We got one more commercial for you. New Transformers are here. The Decepticons are attacking. Destroy them. No, wait, it's Quick Switch. Six-shot son, and he's on our side. Determined to make good, whereas Decepticon father went bad, Quick Switch joins the Autobots. Quick Switch is faster and tougher. Transformers, they've got the power to survive. He's a tank, a plane, a cruiser, a gun, a puma, and a robot. Quick Switch, the new ultimate challenge. I love, first off, Quick Switch is Six Shot's son. I, we don't know how this happened. <laughs> we haven't met Quick Shot's mom. We haven't met Six Shot's mom. This is the only time in the fiction that we get reference to Quick Shot, Quick Switch being Six Shot's son. But here he is, an Autobot Six Changer. Um, again, one I didn't own until uh, maybe 
10 years ago. Um, and it's fun. It's clunky and blocky. The animation in the commercial is actually really cool because it is very much the toy model running around uh, being clunky and blocky and, and shooting at things. Uh, and then we get the weird little bit of fiction that he is Six Shots' son. And this is, you know, as fans go, this is the sort of the things we geek out on. Um, I would say that, you know, Quick Switch overall... Um, if he, the neat thing is he only comes with two guns. So if you can get him and his weapons, uh, you should be able to do it pretty cheap. But if you can't find the weapons, um, it's not a hard one to piece together as a collector. Um, I, I got to say, even though I own it, I haven't played with it much because I was like, oh, this was way more uh, interesting in pictures than it was once I had it in hand. But there you go. We have a six changer on the Autobot side of the equation to balance out six shot Um that family reunion is going to be pretty interesting, don't you think? And like that uh, Peter Cullen in that commercial, too, as Optimus Prime. And they actually show Power Master Optimus wielding uh, Quick Switch in that commercial, too, which is is pretty neat because, uh, you know, it's usually Starscream with Megatron or Soundwave with Megatron. Now I have an Autobot holding another Autobot as a weapon. Uh, something you really don't see prior to this. And that will pretty much do it for... The 1988 Autobot side of the toy line. What do we got coming up next episode? Find out right after this. Thanks for listening to the show. Stick around to hear what's coming up next episode. But first, I want to fill you in on a few ways you can stay in touch with the show. Want to be on the show? Leave us a voicemail at 702-763-4838. That's 702-POD-4TFU. Or... Send an email to info at tfu.info. Be sure to catch us on Twitter at tfu underscore info and on Facebook and Instagram under the username tfuinfo, all one word. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash tfuinfo, where we post all of our podcasts plus special video segments, reviews, and live coverage of Transformers-related events such as New York Toy Fair and New York Comic Con. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit us at www.tfu.info, the world's longest-running transforming toy archive. Once again, I want to thank you for joining me on this tour through the 1988 toys and me basically gushing about Optimus Prime, uh, Power Master Optimus Prime, for a while. Next time on the show, we're going to step away from toys and step away from uh, the West and head back to Japan. Japan! to talk about the Headmasters cartoon, uh, to continue on with our our exploration into that series. And we'll do episodes 27, 28, and 29. I haven't really looked into them too much. I know the Target Masters finally show up, but we'll find out what, what else is there, um, especially now if you were uh, watching PulseCon uh, just the other day. Uh, there, are, <laughs> there is some added focus on to some of the later Headmasters episodes. And while we're not actually covering the particular episode they referenced on PulseCon just yet, and we'll get there, um, we are going to cover some fun stuff. So join me as we go back to Japan, Japan. and talk a little bit more about Headmasters, uh, the animated series. So until then, I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner, operator, Batman behind TFU.info. Until then, see ya. Uh, it makes sense uh, in the history, the history, it makes sense in the history of the brand sizzle. Show me sizzle.
Shall we set Our master transformers. The shout the power to the pies.